right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I need more time. I need, I'm not done filling out my bracket yet. Get it done. Fill it out live on air. I, okay, I'll do that. One team every segment. One, so we'll do one game per segment. Okay, first up, Gonzaga, have... Norfolk State, Appalachian. No, actually, I want you to pick the 16 playing game first. Norfolk do... State, <laughs> Appalachian State. Well, there's also Mount St. Mary's and Texas Southern. We'll um, do that one next time. I actually, I have watched a Mount St. Mary's game this year. So, mm. are you, are I'm you taking happy them. you spent that time doing that? Never. <laughs> there's very few college basketball games that I if if you're watching a college basketball game on ESPN Plus, which says something because KU played on ESPN Plus a lot this year. Generally speaking, I used to complain about ESPN Plus and say that it doesn't work, it buffers too much, the announcers aren't that great, whatever. Anymore, I have learned that the the, the sports gods are telling you something. If a game is on ESPN Plus, mm. it's such a pain in the ass to to watch that game. They're telling you that you could be spending your time doing many other things. So maybe you should reevaluate the choices that led you to watching uh, the Mount St. Mary. I don't even know what conference they won. They were in the conference championship, and I was watching that game, and they won. So uh, there you go. There's your first pick. I'll rapid fire through the play-in games. Norfolk State, Drake, Michigan State. Mm. I love that we get Michigan State-UCLA in a play-in game. I also love that all the first four games are on the same day. Normally, it's, you know, you have two one day, two the next day. It doesn't feel we've like a those, part of the game. We've tournament. got those games here. Yeah, we do. So, uh, Thursday at 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Yeah. But isn't that exciting? Like, normally, those playing games, it doesn't really feel like actually part of it. I usually you know don't I mean? watch them. Yeah. But now, because there's four on the same day, and now you have Michigan State, UCLA, like, to me, that might feel like the start of the tournament. And if you ever think to yourself, man, I don't watch them, but it's just hard for me to get into them, I've got a solution for you. Throw some scratch on it. That's what I do. If you ever find yourself just wanting to force yourself to watch more sports, I don't know how many people are wired like that. I am. When you have to force yourself to watch more sporting events, just put put an uncomfortable amount of money. Not not all your money. Don't bet the house. Put That's enough the house. to put yeah. enough to make you sweat. I promise you. <laughs> You'll deal with the ESPN Plus or whatever other app you got to download just to watch that game. Uh, before we get into the bracket stuff. Update on what we know in case you haven't been unearthing stones over the weekend. Bill Self spoke to the media last night. We've got some of that audio for you. We'll play it for you here in a bit. KU is traveling without three players. We know two of those players are David McCormick and Tristan Anaruna, who entered the COVID protocol last Tuesday. The third player, KU Bill Self, is not officially announced. There are a lot of rumors and reports dating back to last week that that third player is Jalen Wilson. If that player is Jalen Wilson, I wouldn't expect to see Jalen play this weekend. Whoever that guy is is not going to play this weekend unless 
by a, a stroke of miracle, turns out it was a false positive and he takes seven negative tests. But all those guys got to take seven negative tests before they can return to action. Again, can't say this specifically or officially. I have heard, this is again dating back to last week, that one of those two players that are in the COVID protocol tested positive. The other one got wiped out due to contact tracing. Don't know which is which. Still don't know what the timetable is. But Bill Self remained adamant last night that both of those players will be available by KU's first game Saturday, 12-15. Now, as to how effective they can be, as to how much you should expect them to play, whether it's rust, conditioning, lack of practice, all of the above, remains to be seen. But the idea that they will be available still seems like it is the approach to take as uh, KU heads to Indianapolis later this afternoon. Just got to get through this first weekend, and then hopefully, if there's no more positive tests, you'll be back to full strength by the second weekend. That's a big if, because uh, I don't know how you feel about this draw. I, I certainly... I don't think it's a layup by any stretch. Is it the death bracket? No, it's not the, uh, you know, Bill Self always says, the NCAA tournament, three two-game tournaments. Get through the first weekend, then you move on to the next. Uh, Eastern Washington, if you beat Eastern, if you if you lose to Eastern Washington, you got bigger problems than not being at full strength. Like, they played in the big sky. I get it. They've only lost one game since January 21st. They're in the big sky, okay? They've beaten up on Sacramento State and Idaho and Montana State and Montana. Um, there's no excuse for losing that game. I don't care if you got six guys. Like Chris Tehan could probably put 15 on the board against East Washington. Why you Don't give me that look. I'm dead serious. Go that far. I'm dead serious. No. You don't think Christian could get a scholarship from Eastern Washington? No. I did see they have a guy named Jacob Davison who is 6'4", 175, went for 31 earlier this season. Two games later, gets benched. He led the team in scoring last season at 18 points a game. Scored 31. Two games later, gets benched. They've only lost one game since. But all he likes to do is shoot threes and dunk. They did a whole news story. I saw... A video on YouTube earlier today did a whole news story on how he just likes to dunk. So it's a fun skill. That's scary, though, the idea of tiny white guy coming off the bench raining threes against Kansas. It feels like a unnecessary fear, but I think it is a fear that all Kansas fans carry with them. So they've got that going for them. They're small. Their biggest guy, 6'9", Tanner Groves. He's also their best player. He's been a 16-5 and guy. Average about 16 points a game all season long. Pretty efficient scoring inside. All five of the guys on the court going to shoot. They're not 40% shooters, but they're a pretty solid three-point shooting team. Shooting 36% on the year. That's above average. They're a good offense. They've scored well this year. The flip side is that they are pretty abysmal defensively. They don't turn the ball over. They're not going to get transition points against KU. This wouldn't be the type of team that is going to uh, make... KU's sweat offensively, which is great if you're going to be shorthanded. It's great for guys like Bryce Thompson, Dwan Harris, Marcus Garrett. Anybody who's going to be handling the ball wouldn't expect this to be a high turnover game. They don't get a ton of offensive rebounds, so the idea that Jalen may be out, that Dave may be less than 100%, so you start to wonder, is this team going to be able to rebound the way they need to? 
against Eastern Washington, the answer to that question should be yes. So uh, I'm not too worried about that game. I'm really not. The game that I think has a lot of people scared is USC in the second round. I'll tell you right now, I'm not sure USC is going to make it out of the first round. Mm -hmm. Not saying that they won't, but there's a reason that USC is a six seed. And I get it. You can look at the advanced metrics. I look at them all the time. I look at them every day. I check Kim Pump every single day. I know. USC is ranked higher than Kansas. USC might be favored in that game. But context does matter. And I know we have a tendency to look at resumes because that's how you build your NCAA tournament profile. Full season. And that's fine. And by their full season resume, you may say, hmm, USC might be better than a six seed. The same reason why, you know, Oklahoma State ends up as a four line. A lot of people say, wait a minute, this should be a three seed, maybe even on the two line. Different conversation. USC has lost four of their last eight games, okay? Evan Mobley scares a lot of people, and he should because he's probably going to be the second overall pick in the draft. He's a freak. He's seven feet tall. He can give you 20 and 10 and five blocks. He's that good. But this is not a an experienced team at all. I mean, basically every single guy in this lineup is new from a season ago. They're not super physical. Mobley is a physical freak. But they got swept by Colorado, man. They lost to Utah two weeks ago. They've lost to a bad Oregon State team. They lost to a pretty bad Arizona team. This is a team that's been susceptible to getting upset this year. I love the idea of Marcus Garrett going out and pressuring these guards defensively and forcing them to make a play, not just letting them toss the ball into Evan Mobley on every play and letting him go get his. Because if you do that, yeah, he's going to go get his. But I'm looking at some of these losses. Evan Mobley's going off in these losses, and they're still losing to bad teams. So mm-hmm. there's sort of the idea that you, you wonder, whoa, what's KU going to do if, if Dave's not at 100% or if you don't have Jalen? Yeah, you know what? Evan Mobley may get his. I don't know if anybody else is going to be able to do anything against Kansas defensively. So who even knows if KU plays USC, but the idea that we should start wondering if KU can make it out of the first week, and they may not, but they absolutely can. This is not a region. This is not a first weekend where I think you should really be sweating. If KU loses either one of these games, it will, in my eyes, be a game that they should win because you can say USC is better. Okay, let's look at the full season. Let's look at the last month and a half. Let's do that. Because over the last month and a half, USC's not a top 25 team. Over the last month and a half, Kansas is a top 10 team in the country. Kansas is going into the NCAA tournament. I think you can reasonably make the argument they got the best defense in the country. The best defense in the country. Ken Palm has them at sixth. But over the past month and a half since early February, since their, what was that? The Starting with the Oklahoma State game? This has been an elite defense. So there's no reason to think that we have to go based off the full season numbers when we've now got essentially a 10-game sample size against a lot of tournament teams, against quality competition, indicating this is one of the nation's best defenses. That is how I view this team, even shorthanded, going into this first weekend. Yeah, that's really the only caveat for me. It is the shorthanded thing. And not just that you are shorthanded, but also, you know, like how is a guy like if David McCormick comes back for the first game by him maybe not playing as much, um, whether it affects his stamina or whether him just being rusty by not playing around the team maybe as much of late, like, does that affect things? And we know that when David McCormick doesn't play well offensively, it's a lot harder for this offense to get going. So um, those would definitely scare me. But I think it's worth pointing out that, 
you know, you don't have to beat everyone in your region, right? Like you mentioned with USC, there's a very real chance that USC loses to Wichita State or Drake, whoever wins that game. I'm not talking about any other team than Eastern Washington, Wichita State, Drake, and USC till at least Thursday. To your point, we can talk about these teams. I think it's okay to talk about these teams. I'm not talking about Iowa today. I'm not talking about Gonzaga. In regard to Kansas. Right? In regard yeah. to Kansas, because that doesn't matter right now. We got all next week to talk about that. All right, getting Gonzaga as a draw, that's not a bad draw, okay? You're three seed. You don't get to call you don't get to cry foul that you're in Gonzaga. Somebody had to do it. And I'm looking at the other three seeds, Texas, Arkansas, and West Virginia. Maybe West Virginia is the only team you could say, well, Kansas should be ahead of them. Well, Oklahoma State should be ahead of them. Okay? So the idea that one of those teams deserves to be in Second weekend, okay? Like, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. As of this weekend's draw, because what did we say for two months? That if Kansas makes it to the Sweet 16, you'd consider that a successful season. Mm -hmm. I would still say that now, because if you make it to the Sweet 16, you're probably playing Iowa. And if you lose to Iowa in the Sweet 16, I'm not going to sit here on uh, Monday or whenever the next day is and say, oh, Disappointment. No, I mean, Iowa's probably better than Kansas. Mm-hmm. They have been for the entirety of the season. But this week, I, I I really don't think it's a tough draw. I don't think it's – I mean, maybe you'd say uh, you'd rather be Texas because you get BYU who may be but a even little like, overseeded. No, you you want to play you Tom Izzo in the this. second round? You could go through this with all those 6-11 matchups. Like you said, you might have to play Izzo if you're Texas. Or the 60 BYU, like, if you're in on USC because their metrics are good, look at BYU's. Hey, hey, the, over the past month? Yeah. BYU's been BYU was up really on 12 good. on Gonzaga in the really West Coast good. title. So, would you feel that much better there? Would you feel that much better if your sixth seed was San Diego State, who's won 14 straight no, games? Hey, I, I want to actually ask you this, though. Uh-huh. Would you rather play a team in the NCAA tournament that has a better full body of work? We're looking at a bigger sample size, and this sample size would indicate this is a good team. Or would you rather play the team that maybe doesn't have as good of a body of work but they're really hot right now. No, give me the better body of work. Give me the team that was hot in December, right? Give me the team that started hot. Because we can say that that doesn't matter when it comes to seeding, which it doesn't. It shouldn't. That's why you play tough games in the non-con. But what do we always say about those non-con games? What did we say about the Gonzaga game, the first game of the season? What did we say? We ain't going to be talking about this in March. And we're not. You know why? Because that was a long time ago. And Kansas is a lot different team than they were. And everybody's saying the exact same thing. For better or for worse, you're not the same team you were four months ago. I don't care that USC has good metrics. I don't. If you've watched them play over the last month, they don't look like a very good basketball team. And I kind of wonder this too, man. You're talking about a team that's struggling down the stretch. You've got a future top two overall pick. How sold are you on the idea that we're going to do whatever it takes to survive and advance in March? Because if it were a normal season, I wouldn't be bringing this up. I'm not going to accuse teams of mailing it in. I'm not really really accusing USC of, of mailing it in at this point. But the thought has crossed my mind. Are these senior-laden, experienced teams who know this is their last chance going to embrace the oddity and the grind of this NCAA tournament 
as opposed to recent years versus a team that knows, hey, we're young. I mean, USC, it's not just that they're young. They got a bunch of transfers on their team. They got a guy from Rice. They got a, uh, I don't know, I was going through this earlier. Well, who is the? They got a kid from the Mac. Santa Clara. Yeah. Taj Edie's from Santa Clara. So they got a bunch of dudes who are sort of playing together for the first time. They don't have that camaraderie. They don't have that. And I'm just using them as an example. But there are other teams you can apply it to as well, where you just sort of wonder, is this team going to be built like that? Is this team going to be built to the point of, hey, we got to be together now more than ever. This is not going to be fun. We're not going to get to do the same sort of things you would normally get to do during the NCAA tournament, but it's worth it if your your only goal is to cut down the nets. Not every team is going to embrace the weirdness of this NCAA tournament. And those who don't, are going to be at a major disadvantage because I think you have to be locked in right now more than any team in any other year in the NCAA tournament because this year is just different. It's all about basketball if you want to make it. I I mean, you could even go back further than just this year. Like, if I were to give you the list of, like, the best freshmen in college basketball, freshmen slash draft picks that made it to the tournament, I don't know. I, I might be forgetting one or two. I'm sure I am. But it doesn't feel like that list has had a lot of extensive uh, runs in March Madness, right? You have Carmelo in 2003, but that was a long time ago. You know, like Trey Young. I- I'm just thinking that. And, what, and what did Carmelo end up becoming? Transcendent basketball. Like, yeah. Hall of Famer. Right. Which, I mean, you know, a guy like Cade Cunningham could. But, I mean, I'm just thinking about the Big 12 ones in general. Like Trey Young lost in the first round. Kevin Durant lost in the second round. And that was is, a good Texas team. Yeah, too. it was. Uh, Michael Beasley lost in the first round. Not a great K-State team. No. But, but yeah, I, I get your point. It's not even a Big 12 thing. I'm sure you could do more of that mm-hmm. with. I guess you could say, like, the Duke team that was loaded. But I, I'm talking about teams that have, like, that one guy, right? Like, that Duke team had, whatever, three top eight picks or whatever right. it was. You could do the same with Kentucky. But, like I'm saying, just one guy where it's, like, that one leader. Doesn't really have a lot of runs in there. I mean, I always wonder about youth in general. It's just like if you've got a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. You better be way more talented. Like Oklahoma yeah. State's a popular team because they're red hot right now, and they have one of the most talented. They get the, the number one overall pick. Like Kate Cunningham's going number one overall. Spoiler alert. It's not going to be Jalen Suggs. It's not going to be Evan Moe. It's going to be Kate Cunningham. Watch the way he plays. Guys that play like him, 6'7", point guard, knockdown shooter, guess what they do? They go number one overall. End of story. Oklahoma State's also really young. And they don't have anybody to sort of lean back on and say, what's this going to be like? You don't Maybe the- it won't matter. Maybe talent will, will overshine. But like the big thing we were saying about Oklahoma State when they were struggling was, this is Oklahoma State. This is Kate Cunningham and a bunch of dudes. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden we're like, oh, but these dudes are okay. Maybe they are. Or maybe it all it will take was 40 minutes of NCAA tournament action for us to go, oh, yeah, this is why we weren't so high on them. So you can be hypocritical. You can like this one team that's hot and not like this other team that's hot, whatever. Um, youth, experience, like what are your motivations? Like that all makes a difference, I think, in this NCAA tournament as much as any NCAA tournament. We'll talk to Greg Gurley coming up later on this hour. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with Rock Chalk Sports Talk and or the Best of RCST podcast. For more information, contact D 
djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. So last week was a pretty hectic week for KU Athletics. This week, I'm going to bold statement right now. I know there's a lot of time before KU actually takes the court in Indianapolis. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this week is going to be a better week for the Kansas Athletic Department than last week was. Let's talk about March Madness, NCAA tournament upon us, bracket being released last night. Greg Gurley of the Jayhawk Radio Network joins us now on the show. Uh... I, I guess I could ask you the generic, what do you think about KU's draw? But I don't know. I don't like to, to get generic with you. But Bill Self said it best. It's three two-game tournaments in the NCAA tournament. So when you look at this two-game tournament between Eastern Washington, Wichita State, Drake, and USC, what's your first reaction to what KU's looking at? I, I, kind of, I definitely agree with him as far as looking at it week by week by week. You know, I say the old cliche is you got to beat good teams, obviously. You know, Eastern Washington is a good team in the NCAA tournament for a reason. And then you worry about the next game after you win that one. So a series of three two-game tournaments is a great way to look at it. It's the way we should look at it because uh, the second you start to look ahead is the second you get beat. And, maybe, you know, Virginia three years ago would probably – tell you the same thing when they were the first team to lose to a 16. I guarantee you they look past Maryland, Baltimore County. So you just can't do it. Uh, you got to take everybody seriously. And, and this year, even more so because there's no advantage home crowd wise They're quote unquote, you know, the six or the, the 20,000 seat arena that might have two or 3000 Kansas fans is now a 6,500 seat arena that might have 200 Kansas fans, you know? So, Completely different. The teams, the the underdogs, are going to be playing with an even freer mind because they won't have all the distractions of a, a large blue crowd showing up from all across the country because Kansas travels so well. So, uh, again, week to week, I'm the draw. I don't love the draw. I don't know. Uh, you got to beat good teams to advance, and this year is no different. When you mention the arena, I think you're right. I think it's about 6,000-seat arena that KU is going to play in for that first game. I wonder about not having that huge Kansas contingent traveling up there and having that pseudo-home court environment. The flip side is, how many times have we been in an arena, a big arena, where the crowd goes quiet because KU's not up by as much as they think they should be, or maybe you know the other team's right. getting close, or it's late in the game, it starts getting nervous, and there's that awkward silence, that awkward sort of cloud yeah. hanging over the atmosphere. The positive side is, I guess you won't have to worry about that either this year. So, you know, and, and this Saturday, the arena we're playing in is, is kind of the equivalent of maybe a municipal auditorium or even a hail arena for people that know what that is over in the, at the American Royal. Um, so there won't be anybody in the lower level. There'll be, everyone will be in the uppers because of distancing. And so it's just going to be different. It's not a, your, your prototypical arena that we play in. So, uh, I don't know what to think. You know, I'd love to tell you it's going to be a normal uh, NCAA tournament, but it's not. I mean, it's you don't have a roommate. You're in your hotel room by yourself. You're like you're in almost in jail because you have you have you know your TV and your screens and you watch some film and that's it. You go to practice, you eat, and repeat. So completely different experience. It's going to also be a different experience for. You got to remember our sophomores who didn't play last year. This is their first. NCAA tournament, so they still 
they could be juniors before they ever really experience a real NCAA tournament. Now, the real question with Kansas becomes how close to 100% are they going to be by that first game on Saturday? We know David McCormick, Tristan Aruna going to the protocol last Tuesday. Another player test positive Friday morning. No official word on that. Probably won't find out officially until the game. I know there have been sort of rumors circulating that it's Jalen Wilson, but we don't have to go there. With this team, though, not having three guys in their travel party as of today, Greg, what are your expectations for how close to their full complement of weapons they're going to have by the first game? Well, you know, you just talked about it, and the fact that uh, David and Tristan, uh, by all accounts, are going to be able to join the team in Indianapolis midweek or later later in this week, that's great, but you just don't know, number one, if either one of them was positive and how how uh, effective they were with what I, with having it. And, you know, I had COVID, and it wasn't fun after. You know, it's, it's, it took me 14, 15 days to get rid of all the symptoms. You know, everyone just kind of points to that 10. Like, oh, it's 10 days, and then on the 11th day, you're perfect. Well, that's not the case. There's always a lingering effect. So, but that's, that's just us guessing on who and, and what they have. We just don't know. So in answer to your question, I guess it's a, I don't know. Uh, we're gonna we know the guys that don't have it. We know that they're as healthy as they've been all year. So it's cliche time again. It's next man up mentality. I thought uh, Thursday against Oklahoma, the next man up was Mitch, and he was great. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think you got to ask for much more in that first half. Now it wasn't as good of a second half for him, obviously, as Oklahoma made that run. But you know, even late in that game, after Oklahoma cuts it to three. We go two-man offense on the right side, pick and roll with DeWan and Mitch. You know, not exactly uh, Magic and Kareem. And what happened? You got an and one. Mitch goes a nice little roll, pocket pass. And, and so the next man up mentality was awesome on Thursday. And they got to do that again on Saturday and hope to live to see another day. And, and, and then guys start to get healthier and more in the swing before you play your second-round game. Yeah, without knowing whether or not those guys tested positive or it's purely contact tracing, it's really difficult to try and predict not just if they're going to be able to play, but as you mentioned, how effective they can be. But if you're if you're Bill Self, if you're this coaching staff, I mean, after knowing who you're playing, now you know you're playing you know, Eastern Washington, you do got to start preparing in some sense. How do you think preparation is affected? Do you go in acting as if it's going to be worst-case scenario for this first game? Yes. I don't know why you wouldn't. You know, you can't be too uh, – you can't, you can't, you know, have something that you don't know you're going to have, so you got to play uh, – you got to play what you got in your hand. And, you know, technology gives us a great advantage, all teams, where you can watch film on an Eastern Washington. You know, 20 years ago, you might get one tape of them, you know, because they had a one-game televised. So it's one of those things that – you know, yesterday at, at, at 6.01, when, when this came out, they were working the phones and getting stuff and getting it on the guys' iPads and their screens and their TVs. And so you should have a lot of time to yourself and you should have a lot of time to study and, and start to figure out you know, how guys like to play, like to go right, mannerisms and whatnot. So uh, you have no excuse not to be prepared this year. Talking to Greg Gurley here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. You know, something else that kind of got lost in the shuffle of the positive test on Friday was career game 
from Ochai. And you could boil some of that down to him just having a, a really hot shooting night, but the optimist in me wants to look at that game and think, okay, maybe this is a sign of things to come. Maybe this guy is sort of rounding into tip-top form, heading into the postseason. What do you expect from this guy who, despite the, the shooting lulls, you look at the body of work, I think you could really strongly argue he's been KU's most efficient, most consistent offensive weapon this year. What do you expect of him once the tournament begins on Saturday? Well, so happy for him on, on Thursday. First and foremost, to be a Kansas City kid, go back in there against the team that he had a previous career high was against, and, and boy, do we need him. You know, they were starting to cut back in, and, you know, we didn't even – we just basically kept level with Ochai making 14 in a row because Ochai would make a shot, and they go down and make a three, and it was like equalizer back and forth. So Ochai was massive in that game, and, and hopefully he can use that and, and kind of spur on some momentum and, and get going because when he shoots the ball like that, we know that opens up lanes for other guys because, you know, he he's added that to his repertoire where he's – been able to drive the ball a little bit more and get to the rim and hit that mid-range jumper. But he's hitting beyond the arc. You really can't leave him. And, and when you can't leave a guy, you got Marcus driving to the basket and, and everyone else, then it just adds to the effectiveness we can have on the offensive end. So, so happy for him. And maybe we got a little Malik Newman run in him. You know, it's one of those things that how good was Malik in the tournament his one and only year here. I mean, he single-handedly beat the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, so hopefully that's Ochai. And, and then, again, got to get Christian going and Marcus and Jalen. And we can be a really dangerous offensive team when we get at least two of those four getting going. Yeah, with Marcus, I mean, he was really good the other night as well. With him, it's kind of weird because you think of him as the senior leader, the, the coach on the floor, so to speak, all those cliches. Yet you look at his sort of career, no tournament games last year. Only two the year before when KU lost to Auburn. This is a guy in his senior season. Only has seven tournament games under his belt. Do you still think of him as, as a sort of guy who has that experience? It just seems kind of weird to me for a guy who's been here for so long to have so few tournament games under his belt. Yeah, that's not his fault. But, yeah, you're right. You know, we could say the same thing about Doak. And the, I mean, he yeah. never played a minute in the Big 12 tournament. You know, it's one of those crazy things. And so I still looked at him as a leader. So yeah, no question. Marcus is the leader of this team because what do we do when we're, we're in the end of a shot clock or the end of a half or a game, the ball's in Marcus's hand. So he's the leader and he's the guy that's going to make something happen and not the most offensively gifted guy that we've ever had, but with this year's team, they'll self trust. And I trust, and our, I think our fan base trusts Marcus Carroll with the ball in his hand. Greg Gurley, Jayhawk Radio Network, with us for a few more minutes here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Greg, uh, it was obviously a tough week for the KU Athletic Department with the changes coming, the athletic director. What do you think this athletic department needs right now as they're searching for a new leader and, and somebody to take over the void left by Jeff Long? Relationships, uh, transparency, uh, culture. You know, we need we need someone to come in here and, and improve all those things. and It's something that I, I think... And that's what I do as far as relationships goes, and I, I'm looking forward to, to being able to move forward with that person and, and, and create those relationships as they should be. And, and you know, it's something that was lacking, and and, and that uh, that showed at the end. And it's unfortunate, you know, a lot of you know good people that uh, you know, 
lose their jobs at families and, and all that. But now we're at a point where we've got to move forward. And uh, if you're asking me the question, what needs to happen? I think we need a, uh, someone in here that can, can do those things. And that's, that's communicate and that's get out there and talk to our biggest stakeholders. And, and uh, they need to have a voice. They need to be included. And uh, uh, Kansans are such a passionate group about their university. And uh, well, there's more out there. I think we can, we can all do a better job of getting them more involved. And, and this is a time to reinvigorate our base. You know, you know, I'm going to get in my car, I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to go all over the place with uh, this new uh, uh, athletic director and, and get after it. Because I, I do think this is, this is the most important hire uh, that we could ever have in our, in our athletic department's existence. And so it's, they got great people out there doing the uh, picking from the search committee to the search firm they hired. To, I mean, I give a ton of credit to Chancellor Gerard and having to make a tough decision. That wasn't easy. And uh, he, he, he owned it, and he's out there, and he's going to be great. And we're all, uh, we're all looking forward to the next chapter. It's an interesting answer, Greg, because I think for the maybe the average fan, the first thing that you think about with an athletic director is what this athletic director is going to have to do right away which is hire a football coach, right? Make good hires for your football program and your basketball program. Um, most people are going to consider you to be a, a great athletic director. You spoke a lot more to, you know, culture and uh, the environment around the department. For somebody who kind of sees the inner workings of an athletic department, what effect can that have of getting just that right, just having a good culture, having good communication and relationships throughout the athletic department? What kind of effect can that have on not just the department itself, but some of these individual programs that you need to see continue to thrive? Well, I think culture is more of a, of a well-being and a, and a lifestyle that we'd all like to have, and, and it, we just didn't have that for a while. It was, you know, guys that have been here forever didn't feel that way, and it was unfortunate. So I don't think you can put a, a, an answer to that with a bottom line or wins and losses, but, you know, you, you enjoyed going in the studio every day and working and you want to enjoy coming to your job and not even making it feel like a job. That's, that's why I love what I do. I don't, I don't want it to feel like it's a job. I, I look at it like I wake up every day and I'm like, I'm excited to go to my alma mater, call a basketball game or go out and raise money for my alma mater. And, and it was, it was difficult. You know, and there, there was some of the most positive people that have been around that were just like, Oh, come on, let's, let's get this going. And it just, we can never get it going. And so uh, that's, to me, that's what needs to, to change. And, and you can't, you can't quantify it or, or, or say, Hey, we've made this much more money. Or we've got this much more wins because of better culture. It's just, it's just a, a, a well-being more than anything. He's Greg Gurley. You can hear him on the call this Saturday, 12-15, KU Eastern Washington here on KLWN. Always appreciate the convo, Greg. Thanks for the time, man. For sure. We'll talk to you next week, hopefully after a couple of wins. There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. You know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, 
You want the clean car, and don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man. Where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes, unlimited clean, shiny, and dry, unlimited use of exclusive app lane, unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them, unlimited guest service and most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and body wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. So NCAA teams have until tomorrow, I guess the NCAA has until tomorrow to switch an alternate. They have four alternate teams. Did you see this last night? Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew they were going to do this, but it's just like now that it's actually happening where... Well, now that Kansas is like in the discussion too. Right. We have to pay attention. It's like they're essentially on the wait list. It is Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss. So these are... And they're they're ranked in order. Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, Ole Miss. So Virginia is the team to watch right now. Virginia, unlike Kansas, did not travel today. They basically got their entire team in isolation right now as they conduct tests. Kansas traveled today. Kansas is already wheels down in Indianapolis. They are there. So now they're going to test, quarantine in their rooms, kind of just chill today. They're there. And now in, unless some of those tests come up positive, like KU's going to play on Saturday. It's going to happen. Virginia is a different story. So if Virginia, for whatever reason, says we can't play, all of a sudden, Louisville would be in in their place. Now, here's what I don't get. Who, who makes these decisions? Is it, It's got to be the school themselves, right? The, but the school would never do that. Wouldn't Virginia just say, no, we're going to wait until Friday, and then we'll forfeit if we have to? Probably. Unless it was so bad, right? Like, if you don't have five eligible players. Okay, no, here it is. Tuesday. No, here it is. They have to meet all protocols okay. before Tuesday, before tomorrow. So, Virginia looking like they're probably not going to play. If you've got the entire team in isolation, it seems unlikely that in 24 hours, all of a sudden, everything's going to be good to go. Well, the question is, are they in isolation because it's contact tracing or because they tested positive? If it's contact tracing, as long as they go through all the testing once they get to Indy or whatnot, then I guess they would be fine with seven straight days of negative tests. Mm -hmm. But the NCAA doesn't want to have to give Ohio a free pass to the second round. They would rather have... Louisville play. Which that's that's so interesting that they and I get why you don't want to completely shift around the bracket for having to sub in one team and then everybody all of a sudden is in flux like, oh no, now we have to prepare for a completely different team. So I get why they're doing it, but it's just funny like optically that Louisville would go from being the first team out to like a four seed in that mm-hmm. situation. 
Let's start narrowing down this field, man, because we've done this all year. Gonzaga and Baylor versus the field. Then it became Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan versus the field. Then all of a sudden it was, okay, well, maybe Illinois deserves to be in there with the way they finished the season and the way they stormed through the Big Ten tournament, winning an overtime over Ohio State yesterday. I don't know who is in that pool. I wonder if Baylor's even in it anymore with not necessarily how rough they look down the stretch, but a shell of them, their former selves, to be sure. Those four one seeds, though, they seem so far ahead of the pack, in my opinion. Like the, the only team I would maybe say you deserve to be up there would be Houston, maybe Iowa. I mean, Iowa has the best offense in the country. And you could, well, they don't play the... They have the best offense in the country. But they don't go, but they have the best <laughs> offense in the country. That matters a lot. So I, I I don't really understand the dismissal of Iowa by so many people this year. I won't be dismissing him like that. And let's see how confident you are that Iowa's no good if KU has to play them in the Sweet 16. Now I may take Kansas simply because Fran McCaffrey, who's never been out of the first weekend, and Bill Self on a full week to prepare. We'll do that later. First, let's simplify things. I want to know which teams are capable of making it to the Final Four. We'll get into the the individual games later in the week. We'll get into the teams that could be on upset alert. We'll get into who is actually going to win it. But right now, over these next couple minutes, I want to whittle down the teams that are capable of making it to the Final Four. Okay, um, so... One of the good tools for this is using Ken Palm because it has a bunch of metrics and has you know, history too. Right, you can go back over about almost twenty years of data, and I think that's a good cutoff, like two thousand two. Not because anything specifically happened in two thousand two, but just because like that's you know twenty you, seasons. Right, exactly. If you go back to nineteen eighty four, like how much of that data can we relate to this year? I don't know. Um, so there's enough there, and from what we can say, the first thing, and and this isn't a huge narrowing of the field, but it is a little bit. All teams that have made the Final Four since 2002, which I should mention, there have been 72 teams that have made the Final Four since 2002. All of them were 11 seeds or better. 72 so, out of 72. Yep. So if you're 12 seed or lower, sorry, which I don't think anybody was really picking a 12 seed to go to the Final Four, maybe. But don't, because it's never happened. Georgetown would probably have been the most. Now, Michigan State. You got Michigan no, State. No, Michigan State's an 11, so they'd qualify. Oh, so it's 11, 11 seed seeds or better. better. Okay, and so. I, should, I should mention for these numbers a couple things. One. The numbers I'm about to say, they're entering the tournament, right? We've seen before teams go on runs in March, and it raises your, all of a sudden, oh, I have a top 25 hey, defense. Hey, of course you know, it does. You're telling me beating a bunch of tournament teams yeah. can improve your statistical profile? So these are numbers going into the tournament. Um, that's pretty important to remember. All right, so um, beyond the 11 seed or better, 71 of the 72 were top 45 in adjusted EM. What is adjusted EM? Adjusted EM is your efficiency margin. Basically, as simple as this. Your offense minus your defense, right? And the offense on Ken Palm is your adjusted offense efficiency per 100 possessions minus the defense, same thing. So It's the, better, the average. It's yes, the average. The better the adjusted EM, that is how the ranking. This is the simple ranking of Ken Palm. Correct. He ranks his teams based off how many points you score minus how many points you allow Adjusted for tempo. So 71 to 72. Who are we eliminating 45. now? Um, and I just want to mention, you could say, oh, but there is an exception to the rule. Yes, of course. This is March, and especially in a COVID year, things should be crazy. But what do you want to bet on? Do you want to bet on the outlier, or do you want to bet on what typically happens? Right? The outlier could happen. You know, a team that's not ranked top 45 could make it. 
It's happened before. It was VCU in 2011. But again, you don't bet on the outlier because you're right. going to lose most of those times. Okay. So that would eliminate. I'll go by region. In the West, Missouri, Wichita State, Drake. Mm. South, that would eliminate Virginia Tech. East, that would eliminate the team you mentioned, Michigan State. So that's not to say these teams are all going to lose in the first round. No. They can make the Elite Eight. It's just saying they're not going to the Final Four. Yes. Okay, the next match. But Jimmy Dykes would say if you're in the Elite Eight, it's just one true. game. Uh, that would be the VCU team from 2011, apparently. Uh, 66 of the 72 had top 50 offenses. So, again, you can bet on the outlier if they don't have a top 50 offense. But for the most part. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's not good for uh, a certain local team. You're going to eliminate the Hawks? That's right. KU does not have a top 50 offense, um, which is a little problematic. They would be in the top 60, but they don't clear that. We're going to write this down for later in the week. Talk <laughs> about KU's offense. Yeah. 92% of the teams had top 50 offenses that have made the Final Four since 02. The other team in the West, besides Kansas, is VCU. And then in the South, North Carolina. You know, North Carolina, you might not think, oh, I'm going to pick them far, but I don't know. They've got a lot of talent. Like, there's a world where North Carolina goes on a run. You upset Baylor. They have, like, four legitimate NBA or, like, all-American level bigs if they were just, like, the guy. So you want to know the irony about KU's offense? I'm not going to derail this too long, I mm -hmm. promise. Is as good as KU's played, let's go back to February 7th. If you just want to make Kansas's numbers look really good, look at their numbers since February 7th. That was after the West Virginia game. They've won eight of nine games. This is the stretch where they've looked like an elite team. This is the stretch where they've had the number two offense, or excuse me, the number two defense in the country. Yet still, their offense in that just that in just that span ranks 95th mm. in efficiency. So as much as they have improved, not only has the offense not improved, it's actually gotten worse. <laughs> So to think that, well, okay, their offense is ranked 59th, so maybe we could push them ahead because they've gotten better. They have gotten better, but not on that end of the court. So that's why they're gone with VCU North Carolina. The other one in the south is Utah State. No teams from the east would be eliminated, but uh, the offense thing actually eliminates a good chunk from the Midwest. This is another interesting one. Another Big 12 team, Oklahoma State. Doesn't have a top 50 offense. You'd probably think they would with Cade Cunningham, but they don't. Where are they at? Not in the 54, top 50. yep. that's close, though. See, it is. that's enough to make me wonder if we could make an exception because a lot of people well, are taking Oklahoma State as their sexy pick. I'll tell you this. Oklahoma State would be eliminated by a later uh, whatever you want to call these, like tier. So it wouldn't matter. Either way, they wouldn't survive. Uh, the other one, number five, Tennessee. Well, let's call them filters. Yeah, filters. How about statistical I like filters? I like that. Yeah, they wouldn't survive another filter, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, Tennessee, Clemson, and Rutgers. None of those teams mm. would make it out of the Midwest. I think I'll survive without those three. Yeah. Okay, the other one. You don't. You have not eliminated anybody who I'm just like, wow, oh, I had them going far. Oh, just wait, Nick. This category right here, this statistical filter, 66 of the 72 teams. So, again, 92% of the final four teams since 02 have had top 40 defenses. This is going to eliminate a lot. From the West, Iowa, bye-bye. Oregon, gone. Oklahoma, I don't think anybody was picking them as bad as they've played lately. Plus, you have to play Gonzaga in the second round, but they're gone as well. South, how about this? Baylor, Ohio State, those are the top two seeds. Wow. Ohio State's really bad on defense. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. 
And then number five, Villanova, which, again, I don't think people were picking them because you have the injury to Colin Gillespie, yeah. Justin Moore also. Um, I'm circling one team so far that I'm going to argue with you about. Okay. Midwest, another top seed, number three, West Virginia. I think people see West Virginia and they just immediately go, oh, good defense, bad offense. It's flipped this year. Like, really good offense, bad defense. So they're out. Georgia Tech and Syracuse are the other ones. And then in the East, this is another team where you would just think based on, like, you see the front of the jersey, you see what they do with all their long athletes, and you would think Florida State has an elite defense because they have all that length and athleticism. That's not the case. They're almost 50th on defense, so they would be out LSU and UCLA or the others. Okay, so there's actually two teams in there that I would say not so fast on. Now, I don't have Georgia Tech going to the Final Four. They're a nine seed, and they play Illinois in the second round, and they may not even beat Loyola. Like, Loyola's been good. But Georgia Tech is, like, they're up there with the hottest teams. They've won eight in a row. And in that time span, their defense has improved. Um, I know they just got Florida State. But, like, for instance. Yeah, the ACC, like, and that's the other thing. If you just want to say, well, the ACC sucks, then, okay, that's fine. I'm actually not going to argue that. No, I mean, this was their ACC tournament path. By 13 seed, by Florida State. They played Miami, too. That was the 13 seed. I mean, they beat Duke in overtime. They beat Syracuse by seven. Syracuse, not good. I know, I know. Okay, so that's fine. So that's why I'm not really going to argue for Georgia Tech because I don't even know if they're going to win their first game. But the one that I would push back on with a serious amount of certainty is Iowa. Iowa. Since February 13th, how about the last month? Iowa's 7-2 and two in the best conference in America. They have the number nine offense in that span in terms of efficiency. They have the number nine defense in the country over the last month. We're talking about wins over Michigan State, Wisconsin, twice, three times, Ohio State, and a loss to Illinois, one of the best teams in the country. Your filters are your filters. Yeah. 92% is a, a really it's a really good number to hang your hat on. Iowa is that 8%. Okay. No, that's fair. And like I said, I don't know. Now, who's this... going to put Iowa in the Final Four? Probably, okay. Because they have Gonzaga. Because if you told right. me, okay, give me the statistical profile of Iowa and... <laughs> throw in that they've got undefeated Gonzaga in the region. That's probably enough for most people to say, let's not talk about this anymore. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm just letting you know. But no, no, it's a good point because I don't I don't mean to share this all to say this is the definitive what's going to happen. Nothing else can happen. Because again, crazy things happen in March. But I don't want to be the guy that bets on the outlier because, you know, you might be right every once in a while. But overall, you're not going to be as much. All right. Another stat. 92% of the final four teams had coaches. All you had to do. Make it to the second round or better. So not Final Four experience, just have made it to To the the second second round in a previous year. This doesn't eliminate many. Ever, at any point. Yeah, this doesn't eliminate many uh, that haven't already been eliminated. Uh, West and South, nobody gone. Midwest, though, Brian Dutcher has never made it to the second round. San Diego State gone. And then in the The East. The Dutch master. This is where it gets interesting in the East. BYU, gone. Mark Pope, never made a second round. St. Bonaventure, gone. Never made a second round. Michigan, Jawan Howard. Wow. Second round. Now, see, I if you were wanting to fight back on this, 
for both San Diego State and Michigan, I would let you. Because last year there wasn't a tournament, and both teams probably would have made BYU? it. BYU? Yeah, all Same three thing. of those teams would have made it, most likely. So if you want to push back on that one, I get it. But also, I don't think, you know, it's a six, it's two six seeds there. I don't think you really want to have a hard case for them. Maybe Michigan, but... No, Michigan's the one. Michigan's the Michigan, one you're going to look at and say they're a top Isaiah four Livers. team in the country. Isaiah Livers with him, I, I don't know how long he's out, but he is like... You saw it last year. I think they were like 9-1 and one with him in the lineup. Struggled with him when he was injured. Do we make much of the scuffle at the end of the Michigan-Maryland game over the weekend? Because... We can make some of it in that it if was I were funny. If, if I were five years younger, I would say it doesn't matter, happens. Now I'm 29. I look at that and say, that's not a team I'm betting on in March. A team that, that impacts that for you? It just shows a lack of composure to me or or bad culture. Like if, if you're condoning that sort of behavior, like, okay, if your okay, players wait, 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 are the way on, they are, on, if your players on. are the way they are, like Juwan Howard doing that, like, are you kidding me? Do you think that's Kansas your head coach of your program? Do you think Kansas would have won the title last year? I probably would have picked him. Was there not a stool involving fight? Yeah, was it Bill Self that was going <laughs> yeah, after no, Bruce fair. Weber, or were it players going after one? That that that's it to me. Okay. Oh, so it's the coach. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's the coach. No, that's fair. But anyway, that leaves these teams in the West. These are the teams that can make the Final Four: Gonzaga, shocker, Virginia. But if you want to add a COVID filter here, I'm cool deleting Virginia from. This. I mean, they may by this time tomorrow right. they may be out. So that's with a big asterisk, and then Creighton and USC. I don't think USC is <laughs> going to the Final Four. No, again, like I'm not going to pick, but it's basically saying pick what. one of these teams. Hey, let me tell you, you what. Know? I don't want to. I don't want to. We could just circle Gonzaga. No, I just. I was going to say I don't want to spoil my bracket, <laughs> right. but you named my Final Four pick okay. from that reason. Okay, I'm not going to tell you which one, but you named my Final Four. Pick. South. This is the interesting one because if you remember, Baylor and Ohio State were eliminated by the defense. Baylor's defense is tanked. Like they're the opposite. You mentioned Iowa, how they've improved on that end. Baylor's gone the complete opposite way. Um, Arkansas, Purdue, Texas Tech, mm. and Wisconsin. You named, my, you named my Final Four pick from that mm. region as well. Okay. Because I think that's the toughest one to just like, have a team that you love. Yes. Midwest, Illinois, Houston, those are your top two seeds. And then the analytics love Loyola Chicago. So they Makes sense. Um, I'm not going to take Loyola Chicago. You beat anybody good. One, how about have one good win? How about just one? You can't do it, but again, you named my final four pick. Mm, okay. In the East, let's see if we name it again. Alabama, Texas, Colorado. Analytics love Colorado. Connecticut and Maryland. Maryland. Hmm. So you didn't name my pick there as the one where mine has been eliminated. It was one that we just mentioned. It was one that I talked myself out of and then somehow forgot Wait, about it. Wait, you picked Michigan after all you just told me? Yeah, I know. I didn't think about it, but then I like <laughs> remembered it. And um, Will you be changing your pick now? But here's the thing. I have Michigan beating one of the teams you just mentioned, and I promise you it's not the team you're thinking of. No way, it's Maryland. It's not Maryland. Okay. But it's not either of the two teams you're probably thinking of, so uh, I'm going to have to change that game. I have one of those teams in the Elite Eight, so I'm going to – I'm going to push them through after some uh, consulting. Okay. So how many teams does that leave us with? 16 exactly, right? We got four in each region and three in the Midwest, yep. five in the East. Okay, so we got 16 teams. That can make a Final Four. That can make the Final Four. Now let's whittle it down some more. Who can win the national championship? We're not just making this stuff up, okay? Statistically backed 
research. Let's apply some more filters and find out who's going to the championship game and who's going to win it all. On the other side, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Talk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. All right, so we got 16 teams left that are still alive. How about that, dude? The tournament hasn't even started yet. There's only 16 teams left. Yeah, why even play it? We have just basically skipped through. But actually, I don't think this could actually be a Sweet 16 because of the way that the seeding works. Plus, we only have three teams alive for the Midwest, and we have five teams for the East. So now I've... I've convinced myself it would be impossible for these 16 teams to be the 16. So some of the teams we eliminated are going to make it to the second weekend. But even then, we'll all sit there and look at them and say, Frauds! You'll <laughs> never make it out of this weekend! Gonzaga, Virginia, Creighton, USC, Arkansas, Purdue, Texas Tech, Wisconsin, Illinois, Houston, Loyola, Bama, Texas, Colorado, Yukon, Maryland. Those are your final four contenders. Everybody else might as well just stay at home. It's pointless for them to even go to Indianapolis. There's nothing to gain. No memories to be made. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so now let's whittle it down even more. I want to know who can win the title. These guys can make it to the final four, but even then, there are limitations. Losers. To how high they can soar. How do we whittle this down even more so than we already have? Okay, again, looking at Ken Palm back to 2002. Every national champion, which I think there's 17 of them because there's none last year. Every single one. Every single one was top 25 in that adjusted efficiency margin. So we already have it whittled down to top 45. Now we're whittling it down even more to top 25. Nobody has won the title without being top 25 entering the tournament. Correct. So the AP poll does carry some weight. Mm. Well, this is the Ken Palm. Well, if everybody did their AP poll like Jesse Newell, then we would know exactly who can win the title. Okay, Maryland's 31st on Ken Palm, so they're gone. And if you want to argue this one, I'd be willing. Texas is 26. Mm. You said every single one. Every single single one. one. Who's the team that's won a spot ahead of them? Texas is 26. St. Bonaventure is 25. So you know what's funny, too? If you look at and I'll get to the offense and defense rankings in a second, but Texas is literally the last number for offense and the second-to-last number that you could be for defense, (laughs) too. They're just, like, bordering right there. Well, and that's the thing is that you kind of lump them in with some of the other teams, like Baylor, who you'd say, all right, even if they fit the statistical profile, one thing we can't gauge is the effect of COVID, and Texas struggled a little bit when they came back from, which wasn't even a shutdown for them. It's their coach tested positive. They They immediately played a game, but... That's when the struggle started in late January. They're also a team that's riding, you know, a five-game winning streak. They didn't have to play Kansas in the Big 12 tournament. How much would that change things? I'm not going to argue Texas. I like Texas a lot, but they're not the team I have in the Final Four, so I'm not going to argue them. Do you want to argue them? No, I mean, I actually, I have Texas in the Final Four, which scares the death out of me because I don't trust Shaka Smart, but I feel like the roster... Knock on wood here for me, I guess, in my bracket, is Shaka Smart proof. Like, if you gave this roster to Bill Self, we talked about this last year, last week, it's a top five team in the in the country, and we'd be talking about, oh, this team's destined for the Final Four. Um, but, yeah, winning the title, that's a whole other step, which I don't think they can do. Okay, the other one. So now we're down to 14 teams. A seven seed or better. The lowest seed that's won it is a seven seed. That was UConn. Before that, it was a six seed with KU. 
That eliminates Loyola Chicago, who is an eight seed, and that eliminates Wisconsin, who is a nine seed. Any issues? No. Okay. I have absolutely no way. I forgot that Wisconsin was even still alive. Yeah. So we're down to 12 teams left. This one, uh, we can stretch it if we want. 2014 UConn messed up this stat. 2014 UConn was ranked 57th in offense entering the tournament. Every yeah. other offense was top 21. Hmm. So, again, do you want to bet on the outlier, which that seems like the ultimate outlier of a tournament champion? Okay, so we're going to go with top 21 offense because that's 16 of the 17. That eliminates six teams. USC, Arkansas, Purdue, Texas Tech, Alabama, and Connecticut. I'm okay with that. Okay. I would be... Pretty surprised to see any of those teams cutting down the nets. I think the only one that people would maybe want to push back on would be Bama. Yes. But even then, like how many people are going to put Bama, not just in the title game, but say they're going to win it all, that live outside of Tuscaloosa? I mean, think about the path for them to get there. You could possibly yeah. have to go through like... Not happening. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter. But Connecticut, Texas, a bunch no, of yeah. teams. Texas Tech, Purdue, Arkansas, yeah. No. Okay. Uh, the next one. So we're down to six teams now. Okay. Top 37 defense. There have been two teams who had a defense entering the tournament ranked 37th. It was the 09 North Carolina team and the 2015 Duke team. Those were the lowest at 37th. That would just eliminate one team. It's Creighton. So we're down to five. And both of those teams, like, and here's the, some of the thing with me is like, if you're going to eliminate specifically for defense, because offense is more important than defense, it just is. Well, it's ranked higher, though. But what I'm telling yeah. you is if you're going to have. A defense that's not very good, do you make up for it by having an otherworldly offense? Because that's the only way you could convince me that, okay, I would give this team a pass. Like if you've got the num- like if you're Iowa, right? If you've got the not just a good offense, the best offense. If you've got the best offense, I'm willing to overlook maybe some shortcomings on the other end of the court, but that doesn't necessarily apply to Creighton, so I'm cool. Okay, and then this is the last one. And again, the only exception to this rule is that dumb 2014 Connecticut team. Uh, The other 16 of the last 17 champions, their head coach at least had logged one Sweet 16 appearance entering that year. Kevin Ollie and that UConn team again, I don't know what they did, but they figured it out. They did. They cracked the code, man. So that eliminates two teams. Colorado, which I don't think you'd be all about anyway. No. Illinois. I'll tell you right now, in the first, I'm only going to do one bracket, but I will alter it throughout the week. I do have Illinois in my title game. And that's fine. Just can't be the champion. So my final four, Gonzaga, UConn, Mm -hmm. Purdue, and Illinois. Okay. Now, I'd have to go back and look at this. Yeah, do you want the three teams that are still alive? Well, I was going to say... Did Chris Beard make it to... Yeah, because they went to the Elite Eight. I was about to say, what if Chris Beard and Texas Tech would have beat Virginia two years ago? Then would this... No, but they made it to the Elite Eight the year mm-hmm. before that, lost to Villanova. So I was trying to think of an outlier where it's like, what if one thing would have changed? Can we go back and change this? But going through multiple weekends of the NCAA tournament, uh, I think can be very beneficial for a coach who is learning all of this on the fly, especially knowing the weird circumstances surrounding this tournament. So that leaves three teams. And again, I want to toss one of them because it's Virginia. Well, I know, I know Gonzaga's one of them. Gonzaga's the other. 
Houston is the last one. Say the three teams again. Gonzaga, Houston, Virginia. Let's toss Virginia, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if they weren't dealing with the COVID, COVID stuff, yeah. they haven't really inspired much confidence with their play as of late. And what you'll learn, too, is there are teams, or I should say coaches, who year in, year out, statistically, Ken Palm seems to favor a little bit. And two of those programs are Virginia and Wisconsin. Wisconsin is 17 and 12. They are a nine seed. Ken Palm has them ranked as the 10th best team entering the tournament. So, and it doesn't surprise me that Wisconsin was favored in this regard. It doesn't surprise me that Loyola Chicago was favored. Virginia, 18 and 6. They're a four seed. They lost three in a row coming down the stretch to Florida State, Duke, and North Carolina State. So we did it, Nick. We figured it out. Gonzaga, the number one overall seed, is going to win the title. We we spent two segments <laughs> figuring out the fact that well, Houston, I guess you haven't. Yeah, you haven't yeah. given me a good reason why I shouldn't believe that Houston can win at all, even though you have said that mm. on multiple occasions throughout this season that you don't believe in Houston. Maybe be a top two hundred offense and two point percentage and get easy buckets. Okay, that might help. If that was so important, then why didn't we use that as a part of the model? Because they don't show on Ken Palm. Um, the only numbers they show pre-tournament are like your total offense efficiency, defense efficiency. I wish I could go more in depth. Well, you could have been charting this every single year. Like if you were worth your salt, you're right. When I was seven years old, I should have charted it. Start now. Okay. Okay. You can, you can complain about what you haven't done. You can do something about it today. So we're not having the same discussion next year. So go through chart every single team. Oh gosh. Do you really care? Listen, I watched the highlights. I didn't even watch the game itself. I just watched the highlights of Houston versus Cincinnati. You want to know what Quentin Grimes looks like? What's that? Best guard in the country. You did not just say that. He looks like a, a kid who's about to lead his team to a Final Four. Wow. You take Quentin I'm Grimes serious. over I'm serious, Io DeSunmu. No, I wouldn't. Cade Cunningham. I wouldn't. Uh, no, I'm not saying I would take him. I'm okay. saying he looks like that type of player right now. He looks confident. He looks like an All-American. I'm not sitting here saying he's better than Io or he's better than Cade. I'm saying he looks really damn good. So go go watch Houston play a little bit and tell me, no, that team can't make it to a Final Four. They've inspired a ton of confidence. But I'm not picking them to go to the Final Four. <laughs> All right, we're going to hear from Bill Self. He spoke to the media after... Selection Sunday and the brackets were released last night. We'll do that next.